I went to seminary at Mid-America Baptist Seminary uh, for my master's degree. That's in Memphis, Tennessee. I remember uh, when I started, I was, I was just a freshman, and the founder of the seminary, who's this old guy, his, not, his name was Dr. B. Gray Allison. He'd never tell you his first name, but I found out his first name. It was Beverly. His first name was Beverly, and that's why he never said uh, that, that his name was Beverly. I remember he had a big desk at the front of the room, and he never sat behind the desk to teach or anything like that. He always came to the front of the desk, and he kind of props himself back like this, kind of grabs onto the desk sometimes. And the class was called Personal Evangelism. And uh, it, was, it was a great class. It was a hard class. Every single time we walked into that class, we had a test on like three to five passages of Scripture that we just had to write down after memorizing every single time, different passages, different passages. It was really hard. And not only that, it's intimidating to be, uh, just have a class with the founder of the seminary. Uh, and so really what this class was all about is he's trying to help us share Jesus with other people. That's what personal evangelism is. And so uh, he would lean back on that desk and, and he would just, it's really weird what he would do. He would say the no, name of a country, all right, and then he would talk about the country a little bit. But before he talked about the country, he would just, he would just tell us how lost they were. And so, I mean, if you were first day in his class, you're a freshman like me, you would have heard Dr. B. Gray Allison say, China, lost. And he's like, all right, there's a lot of lost people in China, people that don't know the Lord in China. And then he would, he would just keep going. India, lost. Djibouti, lost. He never said Djibouti. I just wanted to say Djibouti <laughs> from the stage. And he would go country after country, hungry, lost. Do you know what he was trying to do with us? He was trying to communicate his passion the passion that he had for people who didn't know Jesus all around the world. And he would just tell us how lost these places were. It pretty, pretty much worked on me. I ended up uh, going to one of those places over in the world. Uh, and it was, it was a pretty, pretty neat thing. His, his passion, though, reminds me of the passion uh, that Paul has for reaching lost in Scripture. I mean, Paul had a huge passion for just reaching people for Jesus. He wanted everybody to know what Jesus was all about, and he wanted them to accept him, and he wanted them to be part of the family. Paul went on three different missionary journeys to prove this point, all right? And he would take years on these missionary journeys. He'd leave kind of home. He would go around to country after country, to place after place, cities, towns, everything, and then he would come back and he would give a report. That's like one missionary journey. One time on one of his missionary journeys, he was in Ephesus for three years. Three years. We're not talking about like a short-term mission trip. This is a long mission trip. He was in the, the city of Corinth for a one and a half years. One and a half years he was getting to know the people there in Corinth. Can you imagine? Probably some of you have been coming here for about a year and a half. Just imagine that just multiplied in the city as you're just trying to reach everyone for Jesus' sake. And that's what Paul did. He, uh, in Corinth, he met Priscilla and Aquila. 
and they would become uh, leaders in the church later, and he would, he would guide them, and they would help him so very much. It was there where he would actually, most of his missionary journeys and every place kind of that he stopped, he would start teaching in the synagogue, which was kind of the Jewish hub. We can kind of think about, about part of it as like a church. It was where people, Jews, would gather just to hear the word of God, and so he would start there. He's like, hey, they already want to hear scripture, so I'll go there, and I'll show them how their scriptures point to Jesus, and it was there in Corinth that the people were like, we're not having this. You're not going to teach this here. Uh, they reject Paul, all the Jews there in Corinth, and Paul is infuriated. infuriated. He does not, he does, he's like, all right, I'm done with the Jews now. Now I'm going to the Gentiles. Now if, if you, you need to kind of understand that in, in a Jew's mind, there were only two types of people, Jews and everybody else. If you weren't one of us, you were one of them. You had Jews and you had Greeks. You had Jews and you had Gentiles. All of that means if you're not a Jew, you're not one of us, okay? And so he says, all right, I'm done now with my own people, and I'm going to go to the Gentiles now. And so he does. He wins. He actually wins a synagogue ruler there to the Lord. And then what we see next is that the neighbor of the synagogue he wins that person, and then many, 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 many more people in the city of Corinth come to the Lord and are baptized because he has this amazing passion just to reach people for Jesus. I mean, Paul was in it to win it, which is the name of the title of my message today, in it to win it. Paul was in it to win it. He was playing the game so that more and more people would come to know Jesus. Now, Paul wrote, uh, I don't know if you know this, Paul, some people, it's kind of debated. Some people say that Paul wrote four different letters to the Corinthians, all right? Our second Corinthians would be divided into two, and that would be the third and the fourth letter if you do that, all right? Then you have the second letter to the Corinthians, which is actually the first Corinthians. That's what we have in our scripture. That's actually the second letter. The first letter that he wrote to the Corinthians happened a long time ago, and we've lost it. We don't know where it is. We don't know much about what it said, but he talks about it in, uh, in these other two letters. And so we know that he sent it. I don't know if he put it in the mailbox without like a return address and a stamp, and it's just gone forever. I don't know what it is, but we don't have his letter. But he loved the Corinthians. He spent a lot of time with the Corinthians, and uh, he's, he's just Paul, and he's just investing in these people as much as he can. I want to tell you uh, a story that kind of happened at, it's at the very end of Acts. And this story, I really want to serve as a background for everything else we're going to look in, at in 1 Corinthians today. So I really need you to pay attention. It's not the most engaging story in the world, uh, but I, I really need you to pay attention because it's really going to set the scene for everything that we're going to look at today. All right. After his third missionary journey, Paul comes back to Jerusalem. And James, the brother of Jesus, the actual brother of Jesus, uh, he's kind of leading everything there, and he has some elders there, and Paul just wants to tell them, hey, here's what I've been doing on this missionary journey. And what he does is he just tells them story after story, God thing after God thing, every single little detail about what God was doing all around the Gentile world. And James is like, can we stop you right there, Paul? Can we stop you? There's been some people here, some believing Jews, and probably also some just Jews that hadn't come to faith. And since you've been away, they've been talking about you. 
Paul's like, all right, tell me what they're saying. And they say, Here, here's what they're saying. They're saying, when you're out there with those Gentiles and you come across someone who's Jewish, you tell them that the law isn't very important in their lives, that all they need is Jesus. But when you come back here, that's all good and fine when you're out there and you're talking to some Jews and you can say, you don't have to follow every little portion of the law and things like that. But when you come back here, these people, they know where you come from. You're like the Jew of Jews. And here it's hard for them to understand how you would just abandon the entire law of God given to us through Moses. So Paul thinks for a second, he's like, all right. I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. So when I come back, it's hard for these Jews to think that out there, I'm not making much of the law of God, the law of Moses. But when I come back here, it needs to be a bigger thing in my life. Is that what you're saying? James is like, that's, that's exactly what we're saying. So we've come up with, with a solution for you, Paul. We know how you can fix this. And so he says to him, here's what you got to do. Take a bath and shave your head. I mean, that is what he told him, but not exactly. See, there was four guys, all right, that were going through a vow that they were making to God. And in that vow, it's probably a Nazarite vow from the Old Testament, not to get into all the boring details, but with that vow, you would have to purify yourself. You'd have to purify your body. Uh, and not only that, you would also have to shave your head, and that would also show that you're just de devoting yourself to God. So James is like, all right, so these four guys are about to go through this vow. Can you just show your own people here that you still have some respect for the law by going into this vow with these four guys and doing what they're about to do? And Paul's like, yeah, I can do that. All right. So you have Paul, when he's out and about meeting different Jews, maybe they don't know Christ, maybe they do, but he tells them when he's out and about and far away from Jerusalem, he tells them, Here's what you need to do. Just focus on Christ. Don't worry so much about the law. But then he goes back to Jerusalem and he's like, the law is still important in your lives. And there's a certain amount of respect that it carries. And, and we can still come under the law and we can still do some things according to the law. So now that you have all of that, we can get into our text. And really, the first thing that I want you to see tonight, today is uh, you need to do every single thing you can to get people to Jesus. I mean, this is the spoiler alert for the whole thing. This is where I'm going to go, all right? This is what we're ending with today, all right? You need to do every single little thing that you can do to get people to Jesus. If you're already doing a lot to get people to Jesus, but you think, oh man, I could do, I could do a little more, then do a little more. You need to do every single thing. Don't leave one thing undone when it comes to getting people to Jesus. You have to be able to do that. So that's where we're going, and we're going to take a journey through 1 Corinthians 9, 9 through 13. The very first thing that I want you to see in that text is that Paul was an obligated man with zero obligations. 
All right? Paul was an obligated man with zero obligations. So why don't we go to verse 19? I'm going to read it here behind me uh, so that you can see it. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. This is what Paul says to the Corinthians. Remember, he spent a lot of time with them. He's visited them several times by now. And this is what he says. For though I am free from all, I have made myself servant to all. All right. I want to kind of pause there. Now, we know that Paul has been set free by Jesus Christ, right? He is no longer in his sin. He is free. He is bound to no one. Jesus has set him free. He's not a slave to the law. He's not a slave to sin. He has been set free. But not only that, he was also free because nobody was paying his way for him to do anything. He didn't owe anything to any man. So God has set him free, and he's also free from men. And he's like, I'm free from everybody. I have zero obligations to anybody. And then he says, I've made myself a servant to all. The word is really slave. I've made, but I've, I have no obligations to anybody, but I'm obligating myself to everybody, Paul says. Every single person. Why is he doing that? He says that I might win more of them. Who is he talking about? Them. The ones that he's free from and the ones that he's made himself a servant to, those are the ones he is trying to win. Now that word win, we're going to see five times in this text. It's a really important word in this text. What it means is, I mean obviously win, but it also means gain, okay? So that I can gain you to Jesus, so that you can be on Jesus's team. It's getting you to Jesus. That's what win means. So what he's saying is, hey, I have zero obligations, but I have obligated myself. I'm a slave to every single person so that I might win more of them. Did you see he didn't just say, so I might win a few of them? He said so that he might win more. Paul was always about more. I mean always about winning more. So if you think about it, if he was doing one thing that wasn't winning him more, he would toss that, he would boot it, and he would do whatever would win more. If he had some strategy that was working, but maybe only a few people were coming to Jesus, he would say, I'm done with that. Get it out of here. I'm going to do something that will win more. He was always about more. And don't kid yourselves. Asante Church is about winning more. That's why you do events like I participated in on Friday night, the movie night at the park. It's why you guys do the pancake breakfast. It's why you're going to two services soon because this isn't as much as more. This is their thinking. I've met with these guys so many times. We talk about ministry so much, and their heart is like Paul's. We're not going to be content until we have more. Numbers matter in ministry. Fewer is worse. More is better when it comes to people coming to Jesus. It's not that we want to brag about ourselves and how many church people we have in there. That's not what it's about. It's about this. It's about winning them. Now, if you were in my personal evangelism class with Dr. B. Gray Allison, he would have called it soul winning. That's how he would have said it too. 
Paul was always about more. That's why you're about more. That's why the church that I go to is about more. Because numbers, when it comes to Jesus, matter 100%. If it wouldn't, he would have never said the word more right there. Here's the next thing that I want you to see is that Paul was a cultural chameleon. If you want to look at his strategy... If you want to see Paul's strategy, we're going to look at it in the next verses, but what you need to know is he was a cultural chameleon, not a karma chameleon from the 80s. That's, this is the weirdest point I think I've ever put on a slide. I was like, but that's just what he was anyway, so I'm just going to put it there. Uh, he, he would adapt himself and change himself to whatever the situation called for. Let's go to the verses and let's look at it together. 1 Corinthians 9.20, this is what he says, to the Jews... Listen, and don't forget the story that I told you earlier, all right, when he was out and about and when he was in Jerusalem. To the Jews, I became a Jew. Now, this is probably like a cultural Jew, somebody that's not really following God but is Jewish by birth. To the Jews, I became a Jew. Why? In order to win Jews. He's going to use this phrase, I became, several times right here. Um, this, this is in the aorist tense in the Greek language. What it means is, is it happened once and then it was done. One time, or these times, when he's referring back to, to his past, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. All right? Let's keep going. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. All right? Now, this would be a Jewish person or really anybody else who had submitted themselves to God's law and knew it. So, I mean, that's right. That's the exact same story I just told you a minute ago. When he's out and about, he became like a, just a regular Jew. He didn't, he didn't care much about the law. But when he was with other Jews who cared a lot about the law, he's like, I need to adapt to what they're thinking and what they're doing. So to those under the law... I became as one under the law, though I'm not under the law myself. Why? So that I might win those under the law. Let's go to the next verse. Then he says, to those outside the law. Now he's talking about Gentiles. Now he's talking about the people that the Jews never wanted to be around. They wouldn't even go into the homes of Gentiles. And Paul says, okay, To those Gentiles, to the ones who are outside the law, know nothing about God and nothing about keeping his law, I become as one of them. That's that's incredible. Not being outside the law of God myself, but I'm under the law of Christ. Why does he do all that? So that he might win those outside the law. Let's keep going. To the weak, I became weak. Probably the second that you heard that word weak, you thought of Alex. That's probably what I do when I think of that word. (laughs) He's not talking about physical weakness and flimsiness and uh, girly man kind of things. He's actually talking about being weak in the faith, which Alex is not. So I just wanted to compliment you as I'm here today, man. Uh, (laughs) You're not weak in the faith, buddy. Not weak in the faith. To those who are weak in the faith, and he's talked about this already through 1 Corinthians. He says, to those who are weak in the faith, I became weak. Why? So that I might win the weak. All he wants to do is win people. He doesn't care 
if they're just Jewish by name. He doesn't care if they're Jewish because they keep the law. He doesn't care if they're Gentile. He doesn't care if they're weak in the faith. All he wants people to do is get to Jesus and get to him as quickly as they can. It's an amazing thing to watch how Paul does all of this through uh, this entire thing. I, I told you I was a missionary in Argentina. Um, I, <laughs> I, tr- I tried to be Paul everywhere I went. I tried to contextualize myself to their context. I worked with gauchos in the Andes Mountains. When you think of a gaucho in the Andes Mountains, don't you picture me? <laughs> like, you're like that guy. I can just see him whipping horses and everything like that. I mean, that's, that's who this is. That's me right there. Uh, you can see I did not become short to reach these short people. Okay? But you know what? I, I became one of them as much as I possibly could. When I showed up to this village... These people were all in a corral. It was the first time I had been there. Probably the highest village I had ever uh, visited in my life. It was probably somewhere around 14 or 15,000 feet in the Andes Mountains. We pull up and everybody is in this corral. I don't know why, but it was Lama Castration Day. I bet, you know what? I bet you weren't thinking, I'm going to come to church today and I'm going to hear the preacher say Lama Castration uh, you were wrong, and uh, so it's Llama Castration Day, and I, I come over there. It's like it's summer, but it's snowing because it's so high up there, and uh, it's a little bit cold. It's not horribly cold, but it's, it's a little cold, and all these guys are around all these llamas. They just grab one. They throw them down. They do what they got to do, and I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to be around llama castrators, I need to become... A llama castrator. And so I said, what are you guys doing? And they say, this is what we're doing. I said, let me, get, let me get in there. Let me get my hands dirty, literally. I think that won so much respect from them. Because I wasn't just this random guy who came to their village, stands back and lets them do whatever they're doing, and at some point, I'll just talk about the Bible. I wanted to get in there, and I wanted to become as one of them, as much as I possibly could. That brings us to my last, almost last point. Paul did whatever it would take to reach people. Whatever it would take To reach people, that's exactly what Paul would do. If he knew that it would take this, that, and the other to reach people, that's what he would do. Let's go to the next verse and let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 9.22, this is what he says. I have become all things to all people. He actually has a verb tense switch there. Remember? All the other times you're saying, I became, I became, I became. This, is, uh, this one is actually in the perfect tense. In the perfect tense, this is what it means. It means I have become. It means it happened a long time ago, but it's made an influence in my life ever since that day, up until now and into the future. It's not that I became this to reach the Jews. Now he's saying, I have become 
till this day and into the future I have become every single thing I can be to all people that by all means I might save some. Paul knows he's not going to reach every single person, but you know how many he's going to reach? More. He's always going to reach more. That was all that he was ever about is reaching the maximum number of people. And he did this by his deep connections that he had with people. He would make sure that wherever he went, those people would accept him because of the way that he was doing things, the way that he connected with them. And it was that that made him such an incredible missionary. And that brings us to verse 23. I think it's the best verse because it ties all of this up perfectly. Verse 23 is where everything really comes together for us. Let's look at the verse now. I do it all, Paul says, for the sake of the gospel. Did you? He didn't say I do it all for Jesus. He didn't say I do it all for those, the Jews, the ones under the law, the ones outside the law, the weak. He didn't say that. He says, I do it all for the gospel, for the gospel's sake. We usually do something, and it's usually for someone. Paul is saying, no, I'm doing this for the sake of the gospel. Why? It's because the gospel doesn't get up, and it doesn't go places. It's because the gospel isn't what showed up into your life one day. It was a person with the gospel. Listen, the gospel needs legs. That's why Paul went on three missionary journeys, because the gospel needed legs. The gospel wasn't getting there without legs. And so Paul says, everything I've done, I've done in service of the gospel for the gospel's sake, so that the gospel can go forth, so that people can come to Jesus, so they can know him. I've done it all for the sake of the gospel. Then he says, and so that I can share with them in its blessings. He is also saved by the gospel. What an amazing missionary Paul was. I've been thinking about you guys, obviously, a lot as I've been uh, writing this message over the last week. And it wasn't really coming together at the end. And I was like, what, how can I get these people to understand exactly what this passage is teaching, him, uh, teaching them? And, and I came up last night, yesterday at some point, I came up with something and uh, I think it, it, really, it really gets down to the very core of this whole passage that we've been looking at. I've made it as portable as I can. That means I want you to take it with you. That means it's not going to be really hard to remember. You're not going to have to be like, oh, man, what did that guy preach that day? It's really, it's really simple. I've narrowed everything down to this so that you guys can see. Think like the people that you want to reach. That's it. That's all Paul did. If they were thinking like a cultural Jew, he would make himself like a cultural Jew so that they could understand him. If they were thinking about someone who is still under the law, that heavy burden, he would then think like someone who is under the law. If they were thinking like somebody who had never heard anything about God and they were worshiping idols, he would go and he would think like them in order that he might reach some. If they were weak like Alex, he would become weak so that he could reach 
them. You've got to think like the people you're going to reach. Alex and Jacob, they do a huge, huge good job at this. I mean, this is what the night at the, the movie night in the park was all about. How can we get people here around our church to have a great experience with us? Well, we're going to need to think like them. So, okay, so should we show uh, the, maybe one of the Jesus movies from the 1970s? No, we should show Super Mario Brothers. Why? Because the Jesus movies from the 70s aren't going to bring anybody to the park. Super Mario brings people to the park. Is Super Mario here? The guy that was playing Super Mario, that was like in the costume? I don't see him. He's not raising his hand. He's in kids. Man, he needs to be in kids. That guy had, his, his Mario impression was his A game. I mean, that's like, I was like, this is what this guy was born for, to be Mario. Um, think like the people that you want to reach. With the Jingle Jam coming up, Think what will get more people here. And if it's not sin, do it. Kick out the other strategies, get them out of here, and reach more people. For Jesus' name's sake, for the gospel's sake. Here's a couple last thoughts that I want to leave you with today. Are you doing everything you can? to get people to Jesus? Personally, are you doing everything you can to get people to to Jesus? Sometimes we all get caught up in our jobs and everything else. Pastors also get caught up in that. I would say that I am not right now. I need to be. Something that I'm going to continue to strive for. Do everything you can to get people to Jesus. Here's the next question. Are you being everything you need to be to get people to Jesus. What about the mechanic that lives across the street or next door? And you're like, man, all this guy wants to do is talk about cars, and I don't know anything about cars. Well, look up a YouTube video and figure something out about a car so that you can have a conversation with this guy. Ask him about the rotary girder or something. <laughs> <clears throat> Why? So that you can win the mechanic. Or what about somebody that's never had any kind of encounter with God, no experience with Him? Maybe they're just secular. They, all they care about is money. All they care, care about is wealth. Become as one of them to reach them. Why? Because those secularists, those businessmen, who don't know God, they need Jesus. And that's what you're called to do. That's my prayer for you. I don't know, I don't know everything going on in your life. I'm like a guest pastor. That's I can come up here and he's gonna have to clean up this whole mess that I've made today. <laughs> Sorry about the castration marks, remarks, all those things. I don't know where you are in your life, but I bet you the Lord is speaking to you. What is it that you need to do? What is it that you need to be to bring more people to Jesus? If you want to respond today, you, you have a little uh, QR code in front of you. You can scan that with your phone. Let us know in the Connect card. We have physical Connect cards out there. Go grab a Connect card. If God is leading you to do something, you need to respond to it. That's what you need to do. That's my prayer for you. It's my pastor's prayer for you. It's our church's prayer for you, that you get 
as many people to Jesus as fast as you can by being everything they need you to be and by giving the gospel legs. In Jesus' name, let's pray.